This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, a business of intercessory prayer for businesses. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Man, we have an awesome show ahead of you. I was invited by a good friend of mine, Kay Hiramini, the most connected man in the world. He he shares inside jokes with people he sits next to on an airplane. He really does. Uh, but anyway, he invited me. He was over at my house for dinner, and he uh, invited me down to Naples, Florida, where he was going down, and he said there's just this amazing human being who's down there who's running the New Canaan Society uh, down there in Naples. And my mom and dad live in Naples. I'm like, man, this would be awesome. I get to hang out with my folks and meet some new cool people. And I walked into this meeting and I thought your name was Ken because you look. <laughs> That's right. Because Ken uh, uh, Kay had given me the book of this guy Ken Harrison, who's a uh, someone we're gonna have on the podcast soon. But you kind of look similar when I'm looking at a thumbnail that's about a half inch by a half inch, and <laughs> and I'm like Ken, what's up? And you look at me like, awesome man, how you doing? So I honestly, the first half of the meeting, thought your name was Ken, but I want to introduce everybody to Roy Clark. Who's, who's my brother from another mother. We've just totally just clicked. How you doing, Roy? Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely. Brother of another mother. Perfect. <laughs> and when I first met Roy, I'm like, hey, Roy, you know, what's that question we all hate to get asked? Hey, what do you do? And I asked Roy what he, do, you know, uh, what he does, and I love what you said, man. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm an artist. And I love these men that are here at the New Canaan Society. Um, yeah. and I know, man, I just have gotten to learn your heart and one of your biggest passions, things that have just driven you through this amazing career from, um, you know, athletics to founding restaurants, to being a youth pastor, to starting mentoring programs, to starting a software company, to, uh, you're an artist, uh, guys, there's a lot we're going to be talking about, but something Roy that just defines you, it's a heart passion is just mentoring men that are around you, people yep. that are senior to you where there's a need to mentoring the next generation to, and also discipling and mentoring. And I'd love to, you know, just start and have you share kind of where, you know, cause where this passion just comes from, man, because it's like this well source that just, it, it's not like God living through you. It's like enthroned in you and just pouring out, um, mm. just pouring out just kind of wherever you're at. Yeah, it's got to ooze from you, really. I think um, you know when you can, when you when you can share out of the overflow of your life, and so the time I spend with with Jesus, the time I spend with the Father and the Holy Spirit, that has to just, I hope, naturally flow out from you. But that takes time with Him. Um, you know, we talk about having a relationship with God or having a relationship with Jesus. And then, you know, at the core of it, having a relationship with others, I think I would want to start by saying, let's define what that relationship is or what is required of a relationship. What defines that? And back 10, 15 years ago, we launched this nonprofit called Mentor One, and we found mentors for kids and adults. That was our, our primary cause. I did do mentoring throughout that as well. But every time we'd go out, we'd be asking people to mentor. Can you can you mentor a kid? Can you mentor an adult? And we'd get 
three excuses every single time. The first one, I'm sure you know, I just don't have enough time. Exactly. So you were asking other people, hey, would you like to be involved in this? Mentor a kid, mentor a colleague, you know, and they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. But I'm kind of busy. I just don't have enough time. Yeah. So, all right. That's the first excuse. The second one was, you know, we we never described who we were asking you to mentor right off the bat. But they would say, well, I don't know about those kids. What kids? What are you talking about? I haven't described anybody. Maybe maybe you'd be better to to mentor an adult. You know, I, I know nothing about you right now. But they just they dove in. I just don't know about those kids. And what you learned was that there was this perceived idea of risk. They mm. needed to trust. And that was the second thing that we had to get over. The first one was time. The second one was trust. And then they would say, well, I, I don't know what to say. I, would, I, I never know what to say. And I would say, oh, John, please just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> your life's a train wreck. I just, you know, just show up and shut up, please. It's more effective than you trying to teach me anything. Um, and so we, we learned that the third component of a relationship was based on this third excuse, really. It was about communicating. Mm. So what is a relationship? And, and I can ask anybody around the world these three questions. Who you spend time with? Who do you trust? And who do you communicate with? And I'll tell you who your relationships are with. I can also gauge the way you value that relationship or the way that you invest in that relationship. So I can ask, how, who, how much time are you spending? Uh, are you doing what you said you would do? That's how you build trust. You take a risk and you build trust by doing what you said you would do. And then are you listening? Because that is the key component to communicating. And, you know, John, I can gauge how you're doing with your wife. I, I can I can gauge the effectiveness of your relationship mm-hmm. based on those three questions. But I can do it the same thing with the people that you coach, the the people that you sell to. I, I can I can ask any sales rep out there how it's going with their clients based on these three questions. Are you spending time with them? Are you doing what you said you would do? Are you listening? So when you start to define a relationship based on those three components, I mean, you can add a number of characteristics to it. Right. But you cannot take away one of those three, what I call legs from the stool. Those three are required for a healthy relationship. So uh, that kind of put the cart before the horse in regards to that's what a relationship is. What motivated me to pursue relationships? Well, basically I grew up a kid that was picked on, bullied. Um, back in the day we called them a nerd. Um, that was me. <laughs> and that's not you now. Life has changed a little bit. Yes. When we walked through a restaurant, people were looking at Roy going, what? Does he play for the the Falcons or the Buccaneers or the Rangers? I mean, wh- what does this guy do? You're like six foot, a hundred. Uh, yeah, you, you've definitely matured. You've kind of grown into. You know, you know, it's interesting though because we share that. When I w- I was yeah. sharing this with my son last night, 
because mm-hmm. uh, he sees me now and confident and articulate yeah. and yeah. well, it's relatively articulate. I'm, I'm gooder than I used to be. Um, <laughs> exactly. But I'm like, hey, I used to be kind of that chubby kid that didn't get invited to the neighborhood parties, mm. right? That was picked exactly. on. Um, yep. You know, my brother was was the first one to always do this to me, so I was just always in defense mode. Mm. Would never stand up for myself, but I also, as I got older, hated other people that would bully. So I've always told my kids, okay. if you ever, if I ever catch you in that mode, even making fun of somebody for how they look or things they can't control, trust me, the hammer is coming down. But I and but they know where my heart's coming from. But they're like. Wow, you came from that, like the kid that was yeah. picked on and then became a fighter pilot and and did all this. Man, sometimes that overcoming to become is Absolutely. hard, but I'll guarantee I know for a fact I can go back in my life and point out some people in youth group and early on in business and in my early career in the Navy that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And sometimes they kind of pulled that, they forced that out of me and challenged mm-hmm. me. Oh, um, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget once my... My commanding officer, Dan Kane, call sign Darth for Darth Vader. Yeah. And I'm coming in behind the boat. He's a backseater. I'm coming in behind the boat. And they had this thing they called the triple nickel. So normally we would come in over the aircraft carrier. So think about this. You're flying at 600 feet. You're coming in over the aircraft carrier. You pass the back of the aircraft carrier. This is where eventually you're going to land. And you extend past the aircraft carrier for about 45 seconds at about 300 miles an hour and you do a brake turn and you come in, you get it all squared away so you can do all, you know, land the way you've been taught. Well, here's right. the triple nickel, which I've heard about. And, um, and, and, uh, Darth goes, we're doing the triple nickel. I'm like, no, no, we're not. He goes, yes, we are. He called me some choice words. That is you accelerate <laughs> to 500 knots and full afterburner. You descend to 500 feet and you take about a five degree offset because you're going to need a little bit extra room. And then right at the back of the ship, you do a full brake turn, six, seven Gs, as much as you can pull. You climb up that 100 feet to bleed off some energy. You have that extra five degrees to, you know, a little bit farther to turn. I was actually coming in, rolling behind the boat as my gear were locking down, and I was coming down onto the speed that I needed to be at, and I goosed the throttles forward, which were at idle. They take about five or six seconds to spool back up, and the engine... So anyway, I was scared to death this whole time, but here's what happened is I'm coming in behind the boat, and my speed's going 300, 350, 400, 450, and the boat is coming at me faster than than is like reason like this is not cool like this is not safe i'm going to die and i pulled i remember pulling the the jet out of afterburner to stop accelerating of course and what do you think darth said hammer down yeah he he said something about my mom and my lineage (laughs) and things like this and shamed me into going back into afterburner but you know what I actually, I did it and I did it well. And it was like, this was a moment that I saw myself completely differently with my skills flying that jet than I'd ever seen before. And honestly, it opened things up for me. So sometimes mentoring is actually pushing people, you know, to do something, you know, they're capable of it. You know what it could be? It's just maybe giving a talk in front of 20 people. Right. Couldn't it? Right. Maybe it's going and having that conversation with a brother, a sister, a girlfriend, right? You're cracking up, but uh, anyway. just about everybody who's listening and your amazing description of the triple nickel. And I'm sitting here going, there is just nothing I have that can relate to this man. I mean, <laughs> my risk, 
was honestly walking down the hallway and <laughs> hoping not to get beat up. And, you know, my afterburner story was, you know, I, I had a coach in baseball that really, I mean, he really valued me. Thank you, John. Thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Roy. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to give people hope out there, you know, and I, I tend to do that really well when they get to know me. Well, uh, buddy, um, <laughs> yours is the most amazing story, and it. But at the same time, right? You, you you have that amazing experience where you're scared out of your mind, and you know most of us aren't Top Gun pilots, but we still feel that fear as if we were being called to do the triple nickel. I mean, I've sat with people who were just paralyzed by their fear. And you're right. Maybe it was just taking a different class in college or speaking up to a professor or talking to a coach in athletics or having the guts to talk to your parents. Mm. I mean, those are such paralyzing fears sometimes that whether it's Darth Vader sitting behind you saying, you know, <laughs> we're gonna do this. you will do this. Well, you know, hey, let me let me share another th- story with you, though, because I'd love your thoughts, because yeah. I'm sure people can can, you know, I, I found that a lot of us tend to have an activity that tends to kind of define us. It's our identity. It's, it could yeah. be a tragedy in the past, something we were a victim of maybe that one thing that we did well athletics. Mm-hmm. So what happened was for me in 1995, I got injured. I had a nerve damage to my and had to get out of the military. Yeah. Nerve damage to your eye. Correct. Yeah, nerve damage to my right eye. Yeah. And this was a couple of years later. And I, I found myself at a company. Um, somebody saw something in me. They hired me to be the head of sales for a startup software company. Mm. And I got to tell you, Roy, I was scared to death of anybody that had been financially successful. I was tongue tied around them. I didn't know what to say. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt like I was a complete poser. Right. Yeah. Like um, and I'll never forget. I was asked to lead a meeting at this really well-known company at the time. All their founders were on Inc. and Fast Company. This is back in the 90s. Yeah. And I, the whole night beforehand, I was literally nauseous. I couldn't sleep. I showed up to the meeting, me and the CEO, and here I am. I'm supposed to lead the meeting. And what do you think the first thing I do is? I threw up in the back of my mouth. And the there only thing go. I had to drink it down with was hot coffee, which made it worse. So I started coughing. <laughs> and, t- and my CEO, Tim, had to take over the meeting. So think about it. A lot of us, we get into these situations. It doesn't matter what it is. We're all we're because we're all continually yeah. moving from season to season. And when you're mentoring people or sharing with them how to mentor, yeah. how do you help people kind of move past some of these self-imposed beliefs and barriers that that we tend to just kind of you know hold? We don't. It was hard to let go to because it was kind of rooted in my identity at the time. Right. Right. So we talk about the rock and the shoe a lot. Okay, so imagine that you're a runner, okay, and somehow you got a little rock in the shoe, but it's it's not a big deal, and you just keep with it because you know you're a runner, and these things happen, and it's not that big of a deal, so you just keep running. Well, that that rock develops a blister, mm-hmm. okay. But you say to yourself, "Listen, runners get blisters. That's very normal. I'm not going to sit and whine about a blister. Big deal." But you forget to take the rock out of the shoe. 
because you're just you're in a hurry you got a lot of things going on and you put the shoes on you're down the road and you're thinking i'm not going to pull the shoes off because i've already got this blister it's no big deal well the blister then develops a limp the limp affects the hips the hips affect the back and next thing you know your life's out of whack because you didn't take care of this little rock in the shoe Mm. now the rock in the shoe is a is a little lie that's what it is Somebody came along in your life and told you that two plus two was three. Or you weren't smart enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not strong enough. You don't have enough courage. You're just not built for this. This isn't your gift mix. Um, you're not a good well, leader. You're, you're not a good communicator. You're shy. Exactly. I mean, think of any lie that can be taught to you. Everything from your parents... Yeah, your parents saying, oh, if you would just try harder, mm. and you've tried really hard. Or maybe it's something bigger and deeper than that. Maybe you don't think God is good. Maybe you've just been through so many tragedies, you just cannot get in your head that God is a good God. Now, that would be like a two plus two is, you know, negative five. Right. But somebody taught you that two plus two is three. It's close. But it's still an error. It's not the truth. And so what I do with the people that I work with and what I teach is this idea that if you live by the truth, that truth is going to set you free and you're going to be able to run the path that's created for you. And so I go through and we spend about a year and we go through every single lie that you've ever believed. You know, so I said to a young man the other day, I said, imagine that you were taught that two plus two is three and you you'd worked hard. I mean, you're a young man. Imagine that you're eight or nine. And, and that significant voice in your life had taught you that two plus two is three. Maybe it's your dad or your grandfather or a teacher, somebody that had authority. And because they were taught that, they passed that on to you. You believe that two plus two is three. You've worked hard and you go to the grocery store and you buy your first candy bar. You're so excited. Well, you get change back. And I asked this young man, what do you think when you get the change back? And he, without even hesitating, said, hey, you're ripping me off. Give me my money. He knew exactly what has been going on because he had felt that all his life. Mm. So I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, sir, but this is the right change. My computer says that this is the change I'm supposed to. He goes, I don't care about your computer. Give me my right change. And so I, t I looked just to the right of him as if somebody was standing beside him in line at the grocery store. And I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'll be with you in just a moment. And he says, forget her. Pay attention to me. Mm. And you can see his emotions escalating. Because his entire life, I found out, after he was adopted, the people who adopted him, told him on a regular basis, you're useless. And he was 33 and he hadn't figured life out yet. Wow. And he looked at me like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to have it figured out. And I looked at him and I said, no, you are not supposed to have it figured out. You're supposed to have somebody to help you figure it out. And what I do is I walk with you and we just go through every significant voice you've ever heard. And we make sure they're telling you the truth. Two plus two is four. It's not 4.1. It's not 3.9. 
Those are errors. It's not negative one. And it's not negative one. And that's what he was told, right? He had been told a mess of lies throughout his entire life. 33, married to an amazing, amazing young woman, still had nobody there to walk him through this idea that you're absolutely valuable, that your value is intrinsic, it is not based on anything you do or say, and from that core grows these gifts and these talents and these abilities. But it's until you come back to that core that that you are not going to experience the deep sense of peace and joy that you deserve because you'll be fighting these lies for the rest of your life. And that, you know, so growing up, my amazing parents, they're awesome. They're alive today. But back in the day when I was growing up, they filed for divorce about three times. They were working through their stuff. And, and I took some of that on, you know, I took some of that blame on, I took some of that, um, challenge on I, I believe some lies about myself mm-hmm. and they, they didn't tell me anything that wasn't true about myself in fact my parents are probably the ones to blame for my entrepreneuring for my for my risk taking my dad was a truck driver who fell off a truck broke his back and drove eight hours home and then unloaded that truck and then because he couldn't they wouldn't let him drive truck anymore. He opened up a toy store. I mean, it just the shift was just so amazing. And they're the people that looked at me and said, if you want to do it, go for it. You can do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, we're not perfect as parents, right? My kids have lies that they've taken from me that I never intended to teach them. And they need to work through the truth, which I believe is found in God's word about how we were created, who we were created to be and how we relate to God in this life and how we relate to each other. But it starts with understanding that we've been taught some truths. We've been taught some errors and we need to replace those errors with truth. And so, you know, you ask, how do, how do we get somebody out of this idea of fear where they become so paralyzed? Yeah. Yeah, one error at a time. Yeah, I, I mean, this is so this is so good, and you know, as people, for myself, what I've come to be aware of when I was going after my accident and going through this whole journey of really trying to figure out, you know, who I was and really get to that core identity, that true identity, the one that actually God gave me, not the one that I've put on. Right, there was this huge gap between what I would call my real self. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of who I saw in the mirror and my ideal self, the one God saw. And the gap was enormous. And what I realized was there's kind of three places that this primarily came from in my life. First one was just my own personal experiences, right? Like you said, maybe some things that, you know, my mom and dad did as I observed behavior or that I lived through that I internalized. Yeah. The second area is the things that were said directly, you know, to me. You know, hey, exactly. you're weak. You'll never have friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, when I was in high school, the youth group leader, I must have said something totally inappropriate because he looked at me and just said, you know, Ramstead, the reason that you don't have any friends, you're such a jerk. And he stormed away. Oh, but for wow. me, wow. 
that hurt, but I got to tell you, that changed who I was. And I went, when I went to college, I said, okay, I'm not going to be a jerk anymore. I'm going to be the nicest, happiest guy around because I've never really had friends. Mm. Okay, yeah. so there's these things that are said to us. Maybe a coach says something, a parent, a father, uh, a mother. And then the, the third area, though, and it's even more prevalent now as we're mentoring this generation that's coming up, and that is what we, you know, so it's, it's what we think other people's think or are saying about us. We're yeah. kind of filling the gaps. We're interpreting, right? All of a sudden, my, you know, maybe my dad, when he would be frustrated with me or really disappointed, even though, hey, I worked my, my hardest, I could not have worked harder. And he said, well, you didn't work hard enough. And he had a look on his face. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I meet a guy named Roy, and I totally respect Roy, and he's giving me, hey, good job with that. And he kind of has this look on his face like my dad used to. So yeah. Immediately, guess what I do? I go, wow, Roy thinks I totally blew it. I failed. He's just being nice and doesn't want to tell me. And I'm walking away with a complete false narrative of what actually is is going on. And what yeah. you did for that man is, you know what, and it's so powerful, Roy, is you listened and you asked questions and you gave him permission Well, what you did is you created uh, an area of trust, and it was safe because he probably just shared something with you that he hasn't shared with many men in 30 years. Never. No, never. I mean, so... And so here's a question for you, because I think think this kind of communication, mentoring, discipling, being able to truly have an influence in other people's lives, really, you know, it starts with a trusting relationship. And it's something you do absolutely naturally because it's who you are at the core. I would trust you. The day I met you, I'm like, this is a guy I could probably share anything with. I really, I knew that. How do you help other people kind of develop that, especially if maybe they haven't had a lot of trusting relationships in their backstory? Right. So it comes back to those three components, right? Mm -hmm. So most people aren't able to start with a trusting relationship. And so I would encourage our listeners do not expect that because trust requires time. Mm. Trust requires proven risk. So what I mean by that? So one, you have to take a risk somehow, some way, but you have to do what you said you would do. It's to build trust. It requires two components. You have to take a risk, but then it also takes integrity doing what you said you would do. So I would tell guys, men and women around the world. Listen, honestly, I want you to show up and shut up. Okay. It's an Mm. hour a week for a minimum of one year. There's no book. There's no manuscript. There's, there's no homework for you to do. I want you to go there and listen to this person. Now we found majority of the people that we found mentors for were kids. Yep. Okay. But If you show up and just let Billy, Bobby, Jenny, Tyrone, I don't care who it is. If you just let them talk and they know that you're going to come back week after week after week, it will change the dynamic of that relationship because you're proving yourself worthy of trust. Now, your life might be a train wreck Mm -hmm. for that one hour a week. You get to be a hero. And I would tell people, if, if your kid doesn't show up, bring a book. That's called free time. It's not a waste of time. You do what you said you were going to do. Don't worry about whether or not they said, if they did what they said they're going to do. I'm not asking you to hold them accountable. I'm not asking you to make sure they did their homework at school. That stuff will come. But 
you know, I joke, I say, um, have you ever walked through a closed door? I got a lot of people that really want to walk through a closed door. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You wait till the door is open. That's what you do. And once the door is open, you gently walk in and you say, can I help you with anything? Now, uh, I love Jesus. I love the way he led. I love the way he leads today. Because you will see out of the 98 times Jesus is asked a question, he answers three of them directly. The rest, he either asks a question or he tells a story. But he primarily leads by asking questions. Mm -hmm. Here's the most powerful man in the world. Who could answer any question posed to him. He could have answered any. He could have written a book for any single question that he was asked. Instead, he asks questions because asking questions empowers the other person. Mm. That's what it does. It gives power away. Remember what he said? You'll do greater things than me, which I find baffling. You too? I, I Seriously, I mean, that's a mind blower, isn't it? Oh, give me. I, I, you know, I believe most of the scripture is true. That one I struggle with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're real, yeah. dude. <laughs> so, yeah. Now you you wrote yeah. this amazing book, um, the Legacy of the Diamond King, and uh, some people have read this and uh, yeah. working on putting together into a screenplay. And this really kind of highlights a lot of what we're talking about here right now. I'd love for you to, yeah. you know, just share a little bit about. How you know how this all kind of came together to put it into this amazing kind of story? And I love I love reading stories versus like yeah. here's a book and I'm like how to mentor, right? Well, um, you know exactly. I'm a simple guy. I was a pilot, so I, you know I, I can follow a story, but you know you give me too much information, I kind of check out. Well, that 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 is exactly what happened. You know when we launched Mentor One, um, everybody said, oh, you got to write a book on mentoring. You got to write a book. You, you know if you if you're going to have any authority, you got to write a book. Well, I'm not an author. I'm a storyteller. And uh, I sat down one Sunday night. I grabbed all my mentoring books, you know, 40, 50 mentoring books. I mean, I'm in, in the mentoring, right? And it dawns on me as I'm trying to write the, the the outline for this thing. The quintessential guide to mentoring. Mentoring 101. You <laughs> By know, Roy I, Clark. Exactly, right? <laughs> it dawns on me. I haven't read a single one of these books from cover to cover and I'm in the mentoring. I mean, I, I, I'm the founder of Mentor One, and I haven't read a single. I'm writing a book that nobody's going to read. This is ludicrous. Can I show you something? Yeah, yeah. This is what I have been sent. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can see this here on video. Roy might be able to see this. Since I, I can see it. I, I see this 10, 12, since, since 13 Jan- books. Since January 1st, I've been sent this. Books. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's about 22 books here. Yeah. I will read maybe one of these, mm-hmm. and, you're, is, and you know that the ones I read are the ones like yours that I actually enjoy yeah. reading. They're fun to read, and I get something out of. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 so, and you're so right. I I basically took all of our leadership and mentoring principles, and I put them in a story, and it's a story about a young prince who inherits this great kingdom. And he loses it all through his ignorance and his arrogance. And he's restored back into the kingdom through the mentoring of a gardener who he fired early on in his reign. 
And we tell the story first person because it's just fun. And we weave it into current day and ancient times. And uh, it's a story about a father-son reconciliation. It's a, it's a story about adventure. It's got love, a little bit of war. Um, but woven throughout is this great conversation of how a son is restored back into the kingdom, into the position that he was created for. And so um, the legacy of the Diamond King has done very well. It's, um, it's an easy read. And I, I think when people get done, they walk away and they go, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's a fun read. And um, hopefully it's caught more than taught. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to be reading this. My, my son and I, we like to read book. It started when we read Every Man's Battle together. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and, oh, yep. my gosh, that time I spent with my son right over here in my office. I have our reading yeah. chairs. Cool. And so this is going to be one of the, the books he and I read together. Uh, so, I am honored. I'm absolutely honored. I'd love to hear your response, his response. My son is not a reader. Um, to chip off the old block. I didn't start reading until I was uh, a graduate from college. But he read the book. And he said, Dad, I actually like reading your book. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wow. I, well, and the great thing about reading this together with my son is all your chapters are like three to six pages. And that's really good oh. for me. Yeah, we can right. read it. We can read a chapter and talk about a topic. But hey, so, something else I wanted to bring up because yeah. I think this is real important is, you know, as believers in this world, this kingdom, and 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 we talk about all the kind of the what you know, why's the you know the hows, the who we should be. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is. Uh, I think that people don't know how to do well, honestly, Roy, and that is to pray. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of the prayer that I have always had my whole life going up until my accident was about, Lord, I, I need this. Help mm -hmm. me succeed at that. Right? They're, they were kind of self-focused. I, I don't think they were prayers that God really, you know, kind of, you know, really got it all the way to the home office, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um I would I love your thought on that, right? As we're walking through life and we're seeking out mentors, we're mentoring others, and I really encourage people to do that and plug into what Roy's doing. Uh, but I think this whole topic of prayer is something, man, we all need to get to understand more and get better at. And we, I don't hear a lot of talk about it. Right. So I have about 15, 20 people that I have invested in over the last 20 years. Uh, so they started in my youth group and then maybe some of them helped me in my restaurants or in the nonprofit. And when you say but, youth group, you were a youth pastor and you actually developed some of the, because you're very humble, but let me share some of the largest, most effective kind of youth ministry programs at different churches um, around. Um, very engaged. The The young people that we worked with were absolutely fascinating. They're just some of the most incredible young people in the world. I have heard them teach and preach and share the gospel. They have fasted and prayed for their friends like mm -hmm. I've never seen before. And um, it, it was it, it's an honor to even have them in my life. And so we were in Michigan at the time. That's where we did ministry. And that's where these 15, 20 people who I've mentored for the last 20 years are. We now live in Naples, Florida. And so when I moved, there was obviously a disconnect based on distance. 
I'm not a prayer warrior, at least I, I wasn't, and, and I'm not sure what that phrase actually means. I know that there are people who are called to pray. They have this gift of prayer. Um, they are amazing. Uh, they can pray hours and hours and hours, and that's never been my gig. It's never been my, my passion or ability, but I know the power of prayer. And remember the three components. I keep coming back to them, time, mm-hmm. trust, and communication, and prayer is communicating. Now, like I said before, communicating is a little bit about talking and it's a lot about listening. Right. And so we developed uh, an app called Pray Together. It's the Pray Together app. And basically they are digital prayer cards. So it's a picture of you on one side, you tap the card, it turns over and there's your live prayer request. And then you organize those cards into decks of cards. So I have a family deck of cards. I've got a close friends deck of cards. I have a a deck of cards from when I went to Israel, my friends from Israel and my friends from Palestine. So you can organize them however you want to organize them. And I tell you, John, I have never prayed for my family and my friends more than I have now because I just flip through this deck of cards. I see their picture and I have this visceral experience with them. It's an emotional. I remember my sister-in-law. I've never prayed for my sister-in-law on a regular basis, but there's her card and I tap the card and there's what she's asking me to pray for. And a lot of times I don't even need to turn the card over. Mm. So some groups I pray through every week. Some groups it's every other week. You know, my mentees, I needed a way to remind myself how to pray for them. And we weren't doing it over email. We weren't texting. It was different. It was a group. Was it was more than a group chat? I needed something just to see them. And so we developed that. Um, I think we released it three months ago, and it's got some great legs. It's only on iOS right now. We are uh, working to build it on Android. But for me, prayer was a lot like what you were going through. It was God bless me, God help me, whatever. When, when I turned the tide a little bit to focusing on others, and, and there was an ability to remember others, it, it changed the way that I went to God. You know, uh, I just said to a friend, uh, we're going through our own family challenges right now, and I said, uh, I hear God telling me, so you want to launch a global prayer app. How about I teach you how to pray? And tell you what, I'm on my knees, both figuratively and literally at times. Yeah. And I'm just, what I do is I walk through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The Lord's Prayer was never meant to be recited. It's like a recipe for cookies. My mom makes the best chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> right? You, you right. don't recite the recipe and go, now where are they? You know, that's the way the Lord's, we, we recite the Lord's Prayer and go, well, why didn't anything happen? Well, it's because the Lord's Prayer was taught by rabbis in each section of the Lord's Prayer is, it's an extension on how to pray. Right. And just very quickly, um, so our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so you praise the name of God. And, and I do silly things. Like I go through the alphabet. 
A, he's Abba, he's Alpha, he's awesome. B, he's my best friend, he is big, he is blessings. And, and I go all the way through Z because I, I lose track. There's other days when I just thank him for being him. And I think of a couple names. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I think, where do I want God's kingdom to come? And so I work through my family. I work through our government. I work through my friends. I work through specific situations. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants you to know that he's here for you. Mm-hmm. What do you need today? And he wants you to be specific. And he wants you to be tenacious. So give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so I understand I'm only going to be forgiven in as much as I forgive. Or better way of saying it, I'm only going to experience his grace to the extent that I extend grace to others. That's because true. I know that my sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Yeah. But, and so then I think of those people who've lied to me, who hurt me, who didn't do what they said they would do both in my personal life, my business life, my spiritual life. And I, I go to God and I simply take another step of forgiveness. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then lead me not into temptation. I know where I'm weak. And that takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if we're being real with ourselves, that's, yeah. that's you know. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And then it's back to the beginning. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, you are worthy. You're the only one worthy of honor and glory and power and praise. And so it's like bookends. I start with thanking God. I go through where I need him. And that that is with all my friends and my family. And, and, and obviously, I don't pray for all my friends every day. I don't pray for every situation. I, I do use the app to remind me of who's out there. I know where I'm weak. I know who I need to forgive. And then I wrap it back up with praising God. And, you know, I remember when Jesus was in the garden and the disciples fell asleep and he comes back twice and they've fallen asleep twice. And he says to them, can't you you pray for at least an hour? (laughs) Like, come on, guys. Right. And remember how he started this. I am Peter. Right. I'm I'm, I'm passionate like Peter who fell asleep. No, no, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll. I will die for you. Just let me get a good solid nap in real quick. <laughs> but, you know, here he says, can't you pray for an hour? And I'm thinking, there's not enough riddle in the world for me to pray an hour. Are you kidding me? But then I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Mm. And praying an hour is not that difficult. And so, you know, listeners out there might be like, you guys are crazy. There's no way I'm praying an hour. And I'm telling you, I don't do it every day. No, I don't pray an hour every day, but I wish I did. Yeah. Because the more I do it, the more I recognize his voice and I can do what he says that I'm to do. It's fascinating. Well, you know, something else when you talk about, right, that time with other people, developing that trust, which you said it is. You know, doing what you said you would do and then communicating. And how many of us, I'm completely guilty, you share something going on in business or with your son or your marriage or whatever it is. And I say, man, Roy, thank you for sharing it with me. I will pray for you. And I think most of the time in my life that has been a platitude. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel horrible about that because I'm telling you, hey, you can count on me. You can trust me to actually pray into that. And I think we all say it all the time. And I heard years ago, Coach Mack, Coach mm-hmm. uh, McCartney, who started yeah. Promise Keepers. Yeah. He was convicted, God convicted him once of doing the same thing. And he actually started carrying around a book, a journal. And yeah. every time somebody asked him, shared something, asked for prayer, he would write it down. Roy Clark, this date, asked me to pray for this. Yeah. And he would, and then he would go through that. Sometimes when he didn't have time, he didn't have the hour to pray. He yeah. would just hold it with both hands and say, Lord, you know everything that's in here. He'd be in tears. Lord, mm. I just want to lift everything that's up here. You know what they're, what's going on in their lives today, and i yeah. got to go into this meeting, but I didn't want to just have a, a moment here to just ask you to be present for all these amazing people. And, you know, something you did, you took that into our phones yeah. with this Pray Together app, and I love it because I'm seeing what's going on in your life, and... Mm. And you did, you know what? We have a, our Bible study group, and I hadn't thought of this, but I'm going to forward them all a link to that and all get yeah. on this so we can just be praying because we all commit to praying for it's our day, then we follow up when we get together. But you know what? To update it and do you know a new prayer request and a praise report. And what I would encourage people to do as you dig into some of these areas, some of these deep areas, these places where you don't want the light shined, mm. and we everybody out there knows exactly what I'm talking about, Um, it's when we confess that in words to another man or woman, and it says this in in, uh, James uh, chapter 5, right? That is when God can start to heal us. Right. We have to confess it. And so prayer is the most powerful way. And so what what I want to encourage people to do is that stuff that you need personally, right? Mm. To remove some of these strongholds in these roadblocks. And one of my one of my friends, his prayer, what he, I asked him how to pray for him, and you know what he said? I loved it. It was beautiful. He mm. said, I want you to pray for me every day that God removes anything from my sight, my vision, or my mind that would take away my understanding of how loved and blessed that I am. Wow. I was like, dude, can I, can I, can I use that? He's like, oh, man, yeah. brother, go ahead. I'm like, cause, stealing that. Because think about that. If I can actually focus every day on just how loved and blessed I am, yeah, and and start to move those arrows out. All that, some of that stuff in that identity, that stuff that holds us back. Because I'm, I'm, for me, that has always just really focused me on the wrong thing, and that yeah. is that I'm not adequate. But yeah. Guess what? That is the wrong perspective. God has. I'm God's perfect workmanship. What if I? What if I just accepted that from Ephesians two ten? Said, okay, yeah. I'm actually perfect right now for exactly what God has asked me to do, whether it's this job, pushing a pushing a broom, running a podcast, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly it. Exactly it. And tie that in with the understanding that, you know what? We don't have this. We don't got it. Yeah. We're not supposed to have it. God's got it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So why wouldn't I spend an hour a day with him? Now, so that's the first part I would say, though. You know, there is the time that's set apart, but then there's also the time uh, throughout the day, right? right? So I like to start my day there, but then throughout the day, remember, I'm spending time with him. I'm, I'm doing what I said I would do because he does what he says he'll do, and then we're communicating. We're just talking back and forth. You know, I like to imagine Jesus sitting next to me in my truck, mm-hmm. and we'll have a conversation, and I'll try and listen. Or we'll go on a walk and 
I'll just start chatting. I mean, people are probably think I'm a lunatic, but you know, Roy uh, Yoda said there is no try. Exactly. There's exactly. only do or not do. You got that. Perfect. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> Thank you, my Obi Wan. You are. Yeah, my that's right. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> try <and> must. <laughs> Hey, so how do people get in touch with you? You got the the app, Pray Together. You go to the iTunes store. You can download yep. it. Um, you can go to Amazon, The Legacy of the Diamond King. That's a book you guys would just love. Read it. Give it to your kids. Give it to a friend. Yeah. Um, your art studio. What is uh, – you do some – we didn't even talk about your art. What's your website for your art studio? ClarkArtStudio.com. ClarkArtStudio.com. How else do they get in touch with you, Mr. Clark? Uh, Roy at RoyAClark.com. Roy at RoyAClark.com. And um, they should have called you Kent because you are Superman, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my new nickname for you, Kent. I did there call we... you Ken when I first met you. I exactly. Just, just attitude, buddy. Yeah. So, hey, just, you know, as people have been listening here, um, yeah. Roy, just um, what, 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 just some kind of your final thoughts, those takeaways you'd really just like to leave with people as they're kind of tuning in from all over the world yeah. about this. Yeah, I, th I think our goal, our hope, is that we become a people who empower people. Mm. That's why I love your show. That's why I love what you do. Um, and if and it's in all things, right? If you right. become a person who empowers other people, it's amazing what happens to your life. So, you know, I... We talk about what's the difference between a cesspool and a lake. You know, a cesspool, everything in it is dead. It's rotten. It stinks. But in a lake, everything's alive. It's flowing. It's free. And the difference is a, a cesspool has an inlet and no outlet. Mm. A lake has an inlet and an outlet. And, you know, we've become cesspool people. We've become obsessed with ourselves and what do people think about me? And how do I get more? Forget that. How do you give more? You know, remember we said, Jesus said, you'll do greater things than me. And, and our minds are baffled by that. But that should be part of our mission. John, I hope you do better than me. Mm. How can I give to you? How can I empower you to make your life better than mine? Because I'm not worried about it. I mean, you've got somebody on your side that's saying that to you. What do you want to do? Remember when the scripture said, when Jesus is walking with the disciples and he's telling them all about the scriptures and how they're fulfilled, and then he leaves. You, and mean, say, you mean after he's resurrected? After he's resurrected, yeah, he's, right? Yeah, he just kind of pops in on the road and jumps into right. their conversation. Yeah. They don't these, know who he is. Yeah, and then they, he leaves and they say, man, weren't our hearts on fire when he was with us? Oh, I love that, right? I want people's hearts to be on fire when I, after I've empowered them, after I've shared with them, encouraged them. And I know you do too, because every time we hang out and every time we talk, I hang up the phone or, or you leave Naples, I'm, my heart is on fire whenever I spend time with you. All right, That's what I got you. So, and, and you know what, you know what I think is behind that? It's not always who we are. Because that, even if we think that might be inadequate, yeah. it's it's how we serve the other person, yeah. Right? Are we are, are we showing an interest in them? Are we looking for ways to add value? Are we are we looking for those th things in them that maybe they're not seeing? Are we find a way to 
Maybe give them a word of encouragement, a word of hope. Maybe share a story that's really personal, but it helps them. Right. Because when we can take our eyes off ourselves and focus on on just serving other people selflessly, mm. right? Because yeah. just, yeah. you know, remember, love that is not unconditional is transactional. Yeah. And transactional love, uh, you will never build trust or true relationships with transactional love. Would you agree? Absolutely. No. Yeah. That's not love. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're spot on, buddy. Well, dude, this has been so great to have you on here. It's um, been an hour, and uh, we need to have you back on because this is the most fun I've had in an interview in a while. And so everybody out there listening, please go to the Facebook group. I'd love to just hear your comments on our time with Roy. Connect yeah. with Roy. Leave a message for me. Leave a message for Roy. Um, he's in that group. You'll be able to tag him. And, uh, man, just love you guys. This is uh, The Eternal Leadership Community is a community that um, has a heart to empower others, to become their best selves, to see yeah. the best in others, to have conversations across race and beliefs and values and boundaries to actually kind of change some of the dynamics that are happening in this world. And you know what? We just need more of that. And yeah. so I want to encourage everybody out there today to just, you know what? Make excellence the standard and do more, but mm. make, you know, grace your word. Because you know what? Every one of us is going to screw up. I've already screwed up today and I had to ask my wife, you know, forgiveness for something. So, um, you know, I, I want to get that. You know, I actually do that intentionally, Roy, right out of the gate just oh, so yeah. I can, you know, you know, be a great example to others. There you go. Yeah. You're such a martyr. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Have an awesome day. Love you. I uh, love you too, bro. Thank you. It's an honor. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. Just earlier this year, Vicki told me while she was praying, she heard from me, to water the seeds. I knew exactly what it meant and got some business out of it. Another time she was praying and accurately described one of our dogs who turned out needed medical attention. John and I can't recommend the team at Marketplace Rock highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us, episodes four and 66 marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.